Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up a little later on in the program, we'll get a review of Norwegian Escape from Tina. Not just any review, a review of Norwegian Escape after they started charging for Margaritaville at sea. Of course, Margaritaville wants a complimentary restaurant on Norwegian Escape, so we'll get Tina's thoughts on that. Before we get to our first guest, I do want to tell you, don't forget to look us up on Facebook. Our Facebook group is Cruise Radio News. Join that and interact if you would like to. And also follow us on Snapchat. A couple of things happening. We'll be kind of snapping along the way. Our Snapchat name is Cruise Radio. I'd love to have you follow along on there. We are very honored and privileged this week to have Teresa Norton Massick, Editor-in-Chief of Vacation Agent Magazine, doing cruise news with us. Hello, Teresa. Well, hello, Doug. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, it was very nice seeing you uh, here in Jacksonville for the Carnival Carrie Underwood event uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. My first time ever in Jacksonville. I hope the First Coast treated you right. I just wish you could have stayed for the uh, the actual concert. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Unfortunately, my schedule didn't allow. It never does. Let's go to the cruise news. Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas left Bay of New Jersey last weekend. Heading for the Caribbean, encountered a storm off the coast of North Carolina with like some crazy winds, like 120 miles an hour per the company. And it turned into this big media fiasco and circus. So what are the details on this? Yeah, it's kind of hard to know exactly what happened. The story I'm getting is there was a storm predicted for several days, and I think Royal Caribbean wasn't anticipating it was going to be as bad as it was, and I think they also thought they could get ahead of it. I don't really know, and we're getting you know different versions of what's going on, but all I can say is if I would have been on that <laughs> ship, I probably would have been scared to death, too, and I would have been sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But, you know, they're saying the winds were over 100 miles per hour, maybe close to 125 with 30-foot seas. So, yeah, what exactly happened remains to be seen and sorted out. They didn't have a very good time. They were confined to their cabins for, I don't know, 12 to 18 hours, something like that. Royal Caribbean is giving everybody a full refund, as they should, and um, half off a future cruise if in Indeed, any of those people will take another one. Well, you know, the media last night, of course, you know that they're like perched at the gangway like a bunch of parrots waiting to uh, (laughs) attack everyone coming off the ship. And, you know, of course, the media is only going to air the negative things. If someone has something nice to say about Royal Caribbean, they're not going to air that. They're going to wait until the person that says it was like Titanic or whatever, the perfect storm. So, yeah, we don't really know what happened. It'll all come out in the wash, I suppose. Royal Caribbean did compensate and giving people money off of a future cruise. So that's uh, uh, rather interesting there. I bet they were wishing they didn't have the fastest internet at sea at this point of the game. <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot of I have to say, I did see positive comments from the passengers who said they were kept informed along the way, and a lot of them said the captain did a great job, you know, keeping the ship afloat and, you know, keeping people, I mean, if there were really only four minor injuries, that's pretty incredible. Um, and yeah, the ship did hold up, but you're right. There was a lot of damage on the interior, things falling over, and it looked like ceilings came came down in some places. It was weird seeing it because we were both on that ship not too terribly long ago. Well, I was at its christening in Southampton, right, England, yeah. so I did spend a couple nights on her. 
I was watching some of the video footage like on the uh, outside decks and deck 14 when the ceiling kind of gave way. And I'm thinking, wow, I was just on that ship a couple of weeks ago. It was just kind of very weird in my head. But anyway, a lot of things are weird in my head. Moving on here, Carnival Inspiration just underwent a massive dry dock. They're based on the West Coast. It's a fantasy class ship and it got the Funship 2.0 overhaul. Is Carnival still calling it Funship 2.0? You know, I haven't seen it that much. Yeah. Um, that's what we're still calling it. And it did get a lot of features that were part of uh, that program. But yeah, the inspiration just came out of a three-week dry dock in Oregon and just got out on February 8th. And it has all those things that I know you love, like Guy's Burger Joint, Blue Iguana Cantina, the Alchemy Bar. And it has those two fun bars on the pool deck, the Red Frog Rum Bar and the Blue Iguana Tequila Bar. So it's heading back down to Long Beach, California, where it will continue to do the three- and four-day cruises to Baja, down to Mexico. And also, you know, it should be mentioned, it did get some additional things that aren't sort of the gee whiz features everyone sees. It got a new hull coating and the capabilities to hook up to shore power okay. when it's docked. And that means it's, it's more environmentally friendly. They're not spewing as much stuff. Yeah, and we should also mention that uh, this is the very first fa- uh, fantasy class ship to get a guy's burger joint. The second one in line for that is Carnival Fantasy, which I believe is in dry dock right now and about to head to Miami for Bahamas sailings. And with that said, we'll move on to Princess and them adding some artwork to the front of their ships. Basically, what they're doing is Princess is building a ship for the China market, as many of the cruise lines are there entering China. And this one is specifically built for that market. But what's new in, in and different is that they're going to put one of those huge pieces of artwork on the hull. Mm-hmm. And what this majestic princess is going to have is the princess logo, which we call the sea witch. <laughs> it's the one of, um, like, it looks like a lady or a mermaid or something with her hair swirling in the wind. And um, they've been using that logo since 1968. And I think it's pretty recognizable the minute you look at it. Now, I hadn't heard that there were some people upset. What well, are they saying? Well, you know why they're up in arms? Because they're going fleet-wide with this. So right. they're going to put it on every single ship over the next couple of years. And people are like, it looks too much like an NCL ship, blah, blah, blah. To me, I'm like, just calm down, people. A ship's a ship. You're going to get the same experience. You're just going to be a, a big old witch on the front of it. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, it is closely identified with Princess, and I think if people look at it, you know, they'll recognize, oh, that's a Princess ship. You know, Norwegian is one of the few cruise lines around that does use the hull art, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of cool. I mean, why not? You know, and if it identifies your ship from a distance, they like that brand identification. Absolutely. Uh, Two big ships coming out this year. The first one is Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas, and the second one is Carnival Vista that's launching on May 1st. Let's talk about Harmony of the Seas first. What is the latest on her? Well, I have Harmony of the Seas coming out in late May. It is in the Oasis class, and it's on track to be the world's largest cruise ship at 227,000 wow. gross registered tons. So it's roughly, it's, it, it's pretty much the same size as the Oasis and the Allure of the Seas, but it's going to be just a tad larger. So we think that, you know, once it's completed and they do all the measuring, It looks like it will inch out the allure of the seas as the world's largest ship. So that's coming out in late May. Then coming out in early May is Carnival Vista. We were supposed to go to the shipyard to see Vista. That got canceled because uh, they moved sea trials around. But uh, what do we know about Vista right now? So it'll be going on sea trials in early April and enter service May 1. But what's cool about um, the Carnival Vista is... First of all, the IMAX theaters builds as the first one at sea. Um, it's going to have an onboard microbrewery 
for those people who like the Red Frog beer that they have on Carnival ships. Now they're oh, going to yeah. be brewing beer on board. Other things, it's it's the Sky Ride, which is sort of like a little bike kind of thing that's suspended in the air, and you pedal it and ride around the top deck. I'm most excited about the Havana cabins with your own private lanai and private access to your own pool uh, in the aft end of the ship, and also the craft brewery that's going to be on board. Gotta love me some craft brews there. Uh, last but not least... Carnival Cruise Line announced 3,500 itineraries over the next two years that are on sale today. Is this normal for a cruise line to put two years' worth of itineraries on sale at one time? Well, it's becoming more common. More and more cruise lines are coming out further and further in advance, which has its good points. I mean, that way you do get people to book early. However, things can happen, too. So sometimes, you know, there's a little more um, of a churn rate. You know, as time goes on, all of a sudden people realize, uh-oh, I booked that cruise two years ago, and now I can't go. Mm-hmm. So pros and cons to it. All right, absolutely. We've been talking with Teresa Norton Masick, Editor-in-Chief of Vacation Agent Magazine. Teresa, my dear, God bless you. Thank you so much for being on the show this evening. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. We always like to get your reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net, like Tina did. She just returned from a seven-night sailing aboard Norwegian Escape out of Port Miami. That's Norwegian Cruise Line's newest ship, and Tina is on the line right now. Good evening, Tina. Good evening, Doug. So uh, I, I understand it's a little bit chilly where you are. Absolutely. Right now it's about 30 degrees. It got down to 17 last night. It was 12 the other night. So I'm kind of glad I'm here in my apartment staying very warm. Yes, and uh, very good weather to talk about a cruise if we can't be on one. We're going to take a step back, and before we get to Norwegian Escape, let's talk about some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail Norwegian Escape? In 2014, uh, my sister wanted to do a reunion, sort of a family reunion, so we went on Norwegian Epic, and that was the first time we had been on a Norwegian ship. But prior to us even sailing on the Epic, I heard about the escape. I started watching them build her pretty much from the ground up, and I think about a week or so after I saw them press the first steel plate over in Germany, I was like, 
I want to go on that ship. <laughs> I have never been on anything that new. So I called my travel agent. Uh, she got me booked. And uh, so we actually went on the Epic, and it was a year later before I ever uh, got on the Escape. Nice. So fast forward to December of 2015. You go to mm-hmm. board Norwegian Escape. Uh, how was embarkation for you out of Port Miami? It was fantastic. Uh, I had flown in the day before, stayed at a hotel near the airport. My pickup service got me to Port of Miami about 10, 15 in the morning. I like to get there early. There was no line. I went right in. I had already checked in online. They gave you the little form about uh, health issues. Uh, since I had sailed Norwegian before, I was placed in the Latitude Rewards line. The moment I stepped up, they were calling for me to come over, meet one of the uh, clerks. They got me checked in in about 10 minutes. I was in the lounge area for approximately 30. I was in group two. I was on board, had dropped off my little carry-on bag in my cabin by 12 noon. Nice. Now, from pier to gangway till you were actually on the ship, how long of a time would you say that was? I would say altogether 30 to 45 minutes. Okay, yeah, not bad at all. So mm-hmm. you, uh, you step across the gangway and onto Norwegian Escape. Uh, previously, you sailed on Norwegian Epic, as you said. So what were your first impressions of Norwegian Escape? I thought it was a gorgeous ship, but I had been studying the deck plans and everything pretty much from the beginning. But to actually see it as I had visualized it, it was amazing. Uh, everything was decorated for Christmas. So we had trees, we had wreaths and everything. There is a beautiful chandelier that is in the center, but I cannot remember which deck. I think it is deck six, possibly. But the chandelier extended over several decks where the staircase is at. And depending on the time of day or time of night, it would change to various colors. Cool. So you make your way to your stateroom. Uh, What kind Mm -hmm. of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it? I had a studio cabin this time. Oh, cool. Uh, When I went on the Epic, uh, my travel agent had gotten me into an interior cabin for a good rate, but I wanted to stay in the studio cabin. It was great. There was more closet space. I actually found an extra closet three days before the cruise ended. And I was like, where did this extra (laughs) closet come from? There was plenty of drawer space, plenty of countertops. Uh, You have a full-size bed. The cabin even has its own mood lighting, so you can adjust that where it will turn to various colors, and it's very soothing. The shower is on one end of the cabin. The toilet facility is on the other, Uh, but I had plenty of space to put my uh, Chromebook, to put my Kindle. I had taken an extra plug, but they had enough plugs in the cabin that I never even took my extra plug out. They have quite a few studio cabins on Norwegian Escape. Didn't they have, or don't they have like a central meeting point or an area just for the solo guests to like congregate? Yes, it's called the Studio Lounge. It was located on uh, Deck 11. I was on, my cabin was on Deck 12. And you go there, they, in the mornings, they would have pastry set up and fresh fruit. You can get water, uh, juices. They also have a coffee maker where you can make your own espresso or cappuccino or cafe americano. And you can actually see the beans, so when you push the button for whatever type of coffee you want, it automatically 
grinds that coffee ah, for you. Fancy. Uh, but the they had a I guess you would call it a studio director. A lot of people, I'm, I tend to be a little more independent. Mm -hmm. A lot of people want help in planning. So it was nice that he was around because he was able to get us into a couple of shows where we got really good seats. If you wanted uh, someone to dine with, uh, he usually had a group organized. So it was really nice if you wanted to, to hook up with him in the evenings uh, just to see what was going on. Yeah, that's a nice little added perk they have there. Uh, now, let's talk about dining aboard. Norwegian Escape because this ship has a lot of dining venues, but not just a lot of dining venues, a lot of great dining venues. So yeah. let's uh, let's start at the top at the buffet area and work our way down from there. So what were your impressions of the buffet aboard Norwegian Escape? It was the usual Garden Cafe buffet, which has pretty much everything. I only ate there one morning for breakfast, but they had pretty much everything from omelets that they will make for you when they're ordered. Uh, they had all the typical breakfast fare. They even had a small area set aside in case you wanted to get say a, uh, oh my goodness, a mimosa. <laughs> uh, they even had that available for you. So it was very nice. Uh, when I went the one time for breakfast, it was not overcrowded. I was able to find a seat. So that was not a problem. It's just that I'm not a buffet person. Mm -hmm. So that was one reason why I didn't go back there that often. Gotcha. Now, Norwegian Cruise Line doesn't really have main dining rooms per se, but they do have large dining rooms. So did you get to join any of those during your cruise? Yes, I went to the first day I was on board. I went to one of the newer ones, which is called Savor. And actually, Savor and Taste, which was on board the Epic, they have pretty much the same menu. But that it was very nice. It was very relaxing. It was nice to go to Savor the moment I got on board because it just helped me work my way into the cruise and feel very relaxed because I wasn't like elbowing people at a buffet. I'm actually sitting at a table and I have a server coming to me with a menu and it would give me a chance to, uh, you know, just make some very casual selections. How did your uh, reservations go for your dining? Like, did you pick all this before you cruised or were you able to do it like on some kind of app once you're on board? How did that work? I did most of the reservations uh, before I sailed. The only one that didn't go through and they said, well, just make the reservation as soon as you get on board was at Bayamo, which mm -hmm. is the Latin-influenced restaurant by, I believe he's still an Iron Chef, uh, Jose Garcia. Mm -hmm. right. And so I went there first day on board and booked my reservation, no problem. The only other main dining room that I did go to was the Manhattan room. Uh, they had all their menus posted online, and I saw on one night they were doing lamb shanks, and I adore lamb shanks. <laughs> so I went that night. These were the best lamb shanks I have ever had. Hmm, so uh, it was very nice atmosphere. They're playing like big band music. People were actually up dancing. My server was wonderful. They did a molten chocolate lava cake, oh. I think, that night. Yeah. So it was it was very nice. And they even seated me aft so I could look out my window and could see the uh, the ship's wake. So it was it was a very nice experience. I want to talk to you on the subject of dining about Margaritaville because whenever I sailed it. Margaritaville was free. I did have to wait two hours to eat there. But um, people were waiting uh, two, two and a half hours to eat there. Uh, how was the crowds on Margaritaville during your seven-night sailing? 
There were no crowds. So if they were concerned about people having two and two and a half hour waits, they don't need to worry anymore, at least not on my sailing. Uh, Most of the people that I spoke to, I knew people from my roll call on Cruise Critic had said they were going to boycott because the restaurant had transitioned from complimentary to a la carte. And it was just the way that Norwegian had carried that out. So anytime I went by there, whether it was at breakfast, whether it was at lunch, and I'm on my way somewhere else, there was hardly anyone in there. Yeah, I can see how people were would get mad because, like, if you go to a, a landside Margaritaville, like down in Orlando or whatever, you're you're going to probably pay, you know, a good twenty five or thirty dollars per person if you have a drink with your hamburger. So the exactly. the appeal of it being free was great, and then they turn around and make it an a la carte menu. It's kind of like saying, "Ha ha, you're booked too late." <laughs> You know? <laughs> exactly. And I looked at the prices. It wasn't that the prices were over the top. I think it was just people were upset. Mm-hmm. And I think the ones that were in there, um, they probably didn't care. It was like, okay, well, that's fine. It's a la carte. But I think for people that had been following the escape, that follow Norwegian policy, we knew about it. And it was like, no, we're we're not going to uh, give them any of our business. Well, I think I would kind of relate it to like Carnival Cruise Line has Guy's Burger Joint on there. And people love the Guy Fieri Burgers on mm-hmm. Carnival Cruise Line and they're free. And I think if they started charging four ninety five or seven ninety five or eight ninety five for a Guy Fieri burger, I think you'd see the same backlash. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So I no, I never went there. I hit a lot of the other restaurants and as far as I was concerned, I never missed Margaritaville. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Noted. Uh let's move on here and talk about entertainment. Of course the ship does have a lot of cool entertainment on board. What were your impressions of it? I really enjoyed it. Uh, now, they had three major shows. Now, the one that I did not go to was the John Hughes-inspired Brat Pack show, where you actually get a meal while you're watching the show. People I spoke to said it was absolutely excellent, that they would pay to see it again. I heard mixed opinions about the food, but most people were like, well, we weren't really there to eat. We were there to right. be entertained. The shows that I actually attended, the first one was After Mid night, which is more big band, uh, sort of uh, cotton club. I thought it was wonderful, but I love that music anyway. The one thing that I was laughing about was that sometimes I think parents need to double check on certain things or do a little research because during this show, there were a couple of F-bombs that were dropped Uh. and there were people sitting there with kids that were ranging between 5 and 11 years old, and you would see the parent jump up and drag the child out. And Uh I was like, well, maybe you should have found out that this was more of an adult show. Yeah. The other show that I went to see was the Million Dollar Quartet, which was outstanding. And it was based on an incident at Sun Records back in the 50s where Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Carl Perkins were in the studio on the very same night. So this play is built around that. It is a musical. The actors perform their own music. They sing all the songs themselves. They were not doing imitations of the men, but once you looked at them, it was like you could accept that they were these characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the Johnny Cash and Elvis guy. Yes. (laughs) 
Absolutely. They're really cool. Now, let's talk about the sea days aboard Norwegian Escape. Uh, one thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves on sea days as far as passenger flow and places that people can go while the ship is at sea. So how were the sea days both inside and outside of the ship? The sea days were very, very nice. I wish there had been more of them. When I did go outside and was up on deck, yes, you're going to see the the chair hog with the towels and everything over the the loungers, but there was entertainment for everyone of all ages. Uh, When I would go over my dailies, uh, they had a little bit of everything, whether it was bingo, trivia games, uh, movies, games out on the deck. What I did for myself as a treat was was I bought a pass to the thermal spa. Ah. And it's unlimited. Now, you do not get treatments with that, but you're allowed to go in there. They have a vitality pool. They have a whirlpool, a salt room, which I never was quite sure what the salt room did, but it was enjoyable. They have a steam room, a couple of saunas, and, of course, the snow room, which was really in the news. And the loungers are heated. This was just a nice place to go and just decompress for several hours. And no children, not a lot of noise. Everyone tried to keep very quiet. It was one of my the best parts of the cruise for me. The snow room looks kind of interesting. Whenever I was on it, uh, I don't know if it was, wasn't working or it might have been closed and only open during certain hours, but <laughs> yeah, whatever it ha- happened, I didn't get to go on it regardless. How much did you pay for that thermal pass? I bought it online before the cruise, so it was $199, but then we got a little bit of a treat because the snow room was broken for the first three days of the cruise. So they gave everyone who had purchased the pass a $50 onboard credit. That's not bad. So I ended up using the onboard credit for when I went to the bars or <laughs> whatever the case might be. And uh, so it was very, for me, it was very reasonable. I had didn't even have a problem with paying the $199 because for me, it was a way, as I said, to decompress, to relax, just to be in a quiet area. And, of course, the spa is forward on the escape. So it's like you're looking to where you're going. It was fantastic. I would definitely do it again. What did you think about the, is it an adults only area in the back of the ship there where the little grotto is? Yes, that was Spice H2O, which this Spice felt smaller than the one on the Epic. And I think it's because of the grotto. I did not go there as often as I did on the Epic, and the reason why was because they were allowing children or teens to come into the area. Now, there is a sign there that says no one under the age of, I believe, 17 is supposed to be allowed into Spice H2O prior to 7 p.m. It's adults only. But each time I was there, there were children People did complain. The staff would say, well, their parents are here with them. We really can't do anything. And I think that's something that Norwegian needs to concentrate on. If it's an adults-only area, we would appreciate that the kids and teens who have their own areas, they'd be told, no, you cannot come in here. Right, yeah. If it's it's an adult-only area and they bill it as adults-only – 
then right. it should be adults only. Yeah, totally. I, I totally get that. So uh, coming short on time here, let's mm-hmm. talk about, uh, so you have your sea days. Let's talk about the ports. We haven't hit those mm-hmm. yet. Uh, what ports did you hit on this cruise? We did St. Thomas, uh, Tortola, British Virgin Islands, and Nassau, Bahamas. We actually did an independent excursion on St. Thomas with a company called Nightwind. Mm-hmm. It was a sailing excursion. We spent about six or seven hours on that. They fed us the whole time. It was an unlimited bar. I definitely would recommend them. On uh, British Virgin Islands, a member of our group from the United Kingdom had arranged a party bus. There were about a dozen of us. The bus was ours. We had unlimited rum, <laughs> rum punch. Uh, they took us around to a couple of bars. Uh, we went to a beach for about an hour. That was very nice. The only excursion I did through the ship was in Nassau because I wanted to do the uh, sea lion mm-hmm. excursion over on Blue Lagoon. And so that was the only one that I booked directly with Norwegian, but it it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, what did you think of that, uh, the sea lion excursion? I, I hear people talk about it every now and then. It was. Now, it's not like the dolphin experience. I saw a lot of reviews where people were like, well, it's not like the dolphins. It's not intended to be. They had one uh, sea lion. Her name was Charlotte. She posed with us. Then we actually got into a pool. Uh, you stand on a platform, and her mother came out, and we were able to pet her. We fed her. The trainer, of course, indicated when we were supposed to touch her and everything, what areas you're not supposed to touch. And they actually did, uh, prior to us even dealing with the sea lions, they told us, here is what you need to do and not do. So we were very aware of that. And they treat the uh, sea lions very humanely. It, it was it was just a very nice, sweet experience. At least they treat the sea lions humanely because those those poor horses there in Nassau, they get put through the ringer. I have heard that. <laughs> yeah. I have heard that. Awful. But had it not been for that excursion, uh, I had intended to stay on yeah. the escape because it was our last day, but otherwise, no. It was, uh, uh, I enjoyed it. Very nice. So you get back to Port Miami. Uh, how was disembarkation in Port Miami? Because you always hear mixed reviews, and of course Miami being one of the biggest cruise ports in the world, or it might even be the biggest. Uh, how efficient was disembarkation? It was very efficient. I had arranged to disembark in the very last group. That was about 9.30 a.m. I had already made prior arrangements for the pickup service uh, to come and get me. So I started working my way off about 9.30. By 10 a.m., I had already gone through Immigration and Customs and had worked my way outside. My pickup service was waiting for me. And then I spent two more nights in Miami. Nice. Did you uh, did you drive or fly? Uh, no, I flew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be about what fifteen twenty hour drive. Probably. Yeah. My uh, sister and her family made it in twenty fourteen when we did the epic, and they don't mind driving. They're a military family, uh-huh. but me, no. Once I've driven <laughs> over three hours, I'm done. <laughs> I, I gotcha. Yeah, it's it's like four and a half from Jacksonville down there, so it's a straight shot right down ninety five. So it's not right. that bad, but um, yeah, it's easier when you can buy a. Uh, you know, a $99 flight or something. Right. For sure. Uh, So any first-time tips you may have for people sailing Norwegian Escape? Well, uh, my first suggestion would be sit down with a travel agent and tell them what you're looking for. I talked to a gentleman. We had not even left Port of Miami. He said, I hate this ship. 
Oh, and I said, how can you hate it? You've only been on here like three or four hours. And he said, well, he started comparing it to the quantum class uh, on Lord Caribbean. Okay. And I was like, you haven't even given this. I didn't say it to him directly, but I'm thinking, you haven't even given the ship a chance yet. So sit down with a travel agent and let them know what you want. But she's very modern. I thought the service was excellent. The only full service I had one night was at Le Bistro. It took them about 20 minutes to finally come to me and even ask me if I wanted something to drink, but I think they were very busy that night. Most evenings, I was in and out of the restaurants in, say, 70 or 80 minutes, which was fantastic for me. Absolutely. And in closing, your final thoughts of Norwegian Escape. I intend to go on her again. I have a couple of other cruises coming up, but I've already told a travel agent that I would like to wait a year go back on board, see what changes have been made. I don't say that about a lot of ships right. <laughs> that I would do a repeat visit, but with the escape, it was just, everything was wonderful for me. Well, we've been talking with Tina from Kentucky, and by the way, Tina, congrats. You just retired after 30 years. That's got to be so awesome for you. Yes, very much so. This was originally going to be my annual vacation and I decided that I was going to go ahead and retire so instead of a vacation it turned into uh, Tina celebrates her retirement. That is so cool. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, what a way to spend it too. Seven nights Norwegian Escape, Eastern yes. Caribbean, Port Miami, escaping the cold weather of Kentucky. Thanks for being on the show. God bless you and happy retirement. Thank you so much. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.